and you don't get home until seven and you're like, oh, I only have two hours if I want to get eight hours of sleep. I guarantee that if you fill those two hours with something that fills your cup, you're going to be taking way better care of yourself if you do that and then get eight hours of sleep. A lot of the best things that are good for you actually feel like a pain in the ass, for lack of better phrasing, prior to doing them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Next Level University, where we teach you how to level up in your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. No matter where you are now or where you've been, there is a next level. We bring you seven episodes a week, six of which are solo episodes with Kevin and myself and one world-class guest to help you get there. This podcast is proudly sponsored by our friend and mentor, David Meltzer of The Playbook Podcast. Next Level Nation, welcome back to another very special, as always, Next Level University weekly live podcast for week number 87. We are going to talk about how to take excellent care of yourself. Alan and I did a little preamble with Amy and Alan said, what's your intention? And I said, my intention is to remind people about what they might already know, but they're not necessarily practicing. A lot of these might seem from my side, a lot of these might seem like common sense, but common sense is not always common practice. And I think oftentimes we know what we should be doing, but we need somebody to remind us and we need somebody to maybe say, you know, tell a story that really resonates with us that helps us change our behavior. So that is my goal here today for week number 87. That is wild. Week number 87. 87 weeks in a row, brother. It's a lot. So before we jump in, I just want to say that taking excellent care of yourself is the only way to really uh, build a magnificent life. Uh, There's a flashcard in my pocket. Uh, It's actually over there, but I typically have it in my pocket whenever I'm anywhere else other than this studio or this office. And it says there is someone in a hospital bed right now begging God for the opportunity that you have to make a difference. So whether it's the universe or God or nature, whatever you want to believe in, whatever you want to have faith in, if you don't take excellent care of yourself, I personally believe that you're being ungrateful for the gifts that you're given. And I've been guilty of that in the past for sure. I talk often about how I used to drink too much and too often, and I was taking my mind and my body for granted. Um, both of which are, I believe are very powerful gifts that were given to me. And I want to make sure that I'm, I basically say this, if you're grateful for your gifts, prove that every single day by developing those gifts. So if you're grateful for your body, take excellent care of it. If you're grateful for your mind, take excellent care of it. That's what today is about. I love that. I love that. Shall we, shall we do it? Shall we do the things? Let's do it. So, as you know, Alan and I have a very honest relationship with one another, which um, I think I'm very blessed to have, and I'm, I'm very grateful to have Alan as a, as a business partner. You make it very easy to have difficult conversations. Where am I going with this? How does that have to do with <clears throat> taking excellent care of yourself? Alan, back in the day, was late a lot, and it got to the point where him and I had to have a very, very difficult conversation of like, hey... I kind of feel like I'm wasting my time if I'm getting here 15 minutes early and you're showing up 15 minutes late. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit disrespectful to my time. And it was a rumble. And it ended up a lot of positive things came from that. We ended up having the late jar. Every time Alan was late, he had to put money into the jar. And when he was early, he'd earn it back. And that was, looking back, a a rather um, childish thing for us to do, but it seemed to work (laughs) at the time. And the point I'm trying to make is one of the best ways that I have found and I've seen for clients 
taking excellent care of yourself starts with expressing your own truth. Because when you express, express your truth, you build self-worth. And when you build self-worth, you actually understand how valuable you are as a human. And then you can really take excellent care of yourself. A lot of what I'm going to talk about is almost becoming aware of yourself and aware of parts of yourself that you may never have before. I know that that shifted our relationship in a lot of ways, Alan, because it allowed me to start telling more of my truth and it allowed me to feel more valued and valuable in this relationship and it allowed me to tiptoe less. And I think that if you're living, think of it this way, if you're living in fear, you're not taking excellent care of yourself necessarily. If you're living in scarcity, you're not necessarily taking excellent care of yourself. If you're living in abundance, it feels excellent. And that's a great way to be taking excellent care of yourself. And I can tell you that being able to be honest in a relationship with Alan or with Taryn just feels way better. So practice that. It's going to help you tremendously. It might seem like, what does that have to do with anything? But I'm telling you, my own experience, Alan's, our clients, the team, I guarantee they would all attest to that being something very, very positive that has helped them. 100%. So Kevin and I prepped uh, for this prior and we each have five points. So four and one bonus each. The first one that I wrote down is simple. Again, common sense, but not common practice. Number one, focus on actual R&R. So I actually have been breaking this rule uh, lately, but for a while there, I was doing really well at it. And the reason why I say I've been breaking it is that I'm imperfect too. Kevin is as well. And we want to make that clear. We're not perfect. We're not up here preaching. We're here talking about things that we have to work on as well. And I have this rule called 80-20. You've probably heard of it. It's Pareto's principle. But basically, if you sleep eight hours, you have 16 hours left in a 24-hour day. So of those 16 hours, I actually calculated out what is 20% of 16. 20% of 16 is 3.2 hours. So I rounded down three hours a day. My goal for a while there was to get three hours a day of R&R. And I remember I had a client back then, dear friend of mine, had coached him for years. And he said, you know, Alan, you you talk about 80-20 for rest and relaxation, but you're more like 95-5. And I crunched the numbers on it and I was like, oh, holy crap, I'm not taking nearly enough R&R. So if you're on the end of someone who's naturally taking R&R, then there's a tweak I want to help you have in your mentality. R&R, rest and relaxation, has to be something that fills your cup. We all have certain things that we feel very fulfilled after and certain things that we kind of don't after. So for example, for me personally, if I were to, so on my to-do list, I want to get new gym shoes, I want to get a new gym bag, um, I want to get new mouthwash, a couple other things. For me, taking a break from work to then go drive to the store and get those things is not rest and relaxation for me. That is not cup filling for me. Maybe shopping for some people is cup filling, not for me. I have to know thyself. I have to know um, what actually is cup filling. For me, eating my meal, watching a show for like a half an hour is very, very cup filling. I always feel like I got good R&R. So this is unique to each individual, but number one, point number one, focus on actual R&R. Try to get at least three hours a day. But here's the key. If you're going to do three hours of cup filling per day, that doesn't mean you do it all at once. You might do an hour, you know, during your lunch break at work, maybe an hour in the morning of like self-care, you know, preparing for your day, reading, journaling, whatever it is, and then an hour at night 
or maybe it's two hours at night, one hour during lunch. The key here is don't overdo it. And the other last piece before we move on to the next point, it's important if you're going to take three hours of rest and relaxation per day, you have to make sure you're actually productive during the rest of the time because that can go off the rails really quickly, especially if you have big goals. One of my favorite parts, Alan, about Monday is, you know, and again, this isn't an ego thing, but it's like 4.45 or 4 a.m. until 7 p.m. And I feel so good taking my, it's usually two hours for me because I go to bed, but I feel so aligned taking that time because I haven't taken any today. There has been zero R&R since the moment I woke up. So just seconding what Alan said, and this is the other thing too, when you're doing R&R, particularly if it's watching movies or listening to music, get rid of this thing. Because if you're, and again, maybe you're not like me, but this thing's always calling me gently. It's like, Kevin, come, you know, pick me up and look at me. If you're trying to, for instance, watch UFC like I do, I love watching mixed martial arts and Saturdays, usually I'm watching that at night. I don't want to be on my phone because being on my phone does not fill my cup. It drains my cup. It's stressful. I'm looking at emails. Like that's not the point of doing what I'm doing. So make sure that you're actually consciously doing it. And it's interesting because you probably would never think to yourself, I have to consciously relax. And that's, I think that's a really good point. I know you watch motivational, inspirational movies versus, you know, I tend to watch violent, maybe some violence, some violent movies, but that fills my cup. So no judgment. <laughs> so I've talked, you have a point to make, sir. No, no, you're good. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. I've talked a lot about uh, dealing with anxiety it's something I deal with less now than I ever have. And I've talked about the anxiety attacks in Florida and I've talked about all that. But something I have not talked a lot about, maybe not at all, is when Alan and I were in Florida and I was dealing with all these anxiety issues, we ended up waking up early one day and driving five hours to South Florida to see Eddie Panero. And Alan never drives on the road. Usually I do all the driving because I love it. It's just easier. Alan had to drive the whole way. Do you remember that? Yeah. You had to drive yeah, the whole way. There and, and back too. There and yeah. back. In the Kia. And, the Kia. In the Kia. The Kia. <laughs> it was a, a red Kia box, basically, is what it was. Right. And when we when we got to Eddie's... If you've Alan, ever seen the gerbil commercials, it was one it. of those. It yeah. was exactly one of those. We get to Eddie's place, and we take the elevator up, and it was awesome. We had this awesome interview. And afterwards, Eddie's like, I got to take you guys down to this taco shack. It's like the best place in the world. True. I literally couldn't even eat my tacos because I was so anxious that I thought my throat was closing. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was. Alan said, hey, man, let's go down to the beach and like visualize. And I said, I can't, man. I got to sit in the car. Like I literally sat in the car with the air conditioning on. When we went to Arizona, and I don't think I've ever told this, at lunch, so we went to Arizona, we went to a Brendan Burchard event. And at lunch, you go, you have like an hour and a half to go do your thing. And we went down the street to this place and it was like 110 degrees out because it was Arizona, it was so hot. And I remember I literally thought I was gonna die outside because I couldn't breathe because I was so anxious. And when we went back, Doc Jen Fit was doing her presentation and she was doing a breathwork exercise and I literally couldn't do it because I was so afraid I was going to have an asthma attack or whatever it is, I literally thought I had something stuck in my throat. It felt like there was a piece of string that was like running down my throat. And that was my entire experience in Florida and in Arizona. And after that, we came back and it was probably three or four months later that we connected with Mark Metry. And I was talking to Mark and Mark was super spiritual and he was talking all about meditation. And that's when I started meditating. 
So number the number two point for me is is meditate. It might seem, and it did for me at the beginning, it might seem woo-woo. It might seem like, what is this going to do? You might have tried it and you might struggle because your mind wanders. But I have meditated every day for the last however many days, I don't know. And it's a huge, it's a huge game changer for me. If you don't meditate, seek silence. I feel like so many people struggle to go to sleep. And part two of this is you have your best thoughts in the shower because those are probably the only two times throughout the day where you actually have silence. I have amazing thoughts in the shower. I don't listen to anything. I just go in there and, and focus. The times I have the best thoughts are when I'm meditating and when I'm in the shower because there's no outside noise. There's nothing taking my attention. So if you're out there, go on YouTube, search a five, literally a five-minute meditation. Some days I do five minutes because I'm so busy, but I want to make sure that I'm taking that time to connect with myself. It has been a genuine game changer for me. The Calm app is what I used in the beginning. Alan, I started using that in Florida when I had a ton of anxiety. So again, it might seem simple. It might seem like common sense, but unless you're doing it every day, then it's not common practice yet. You know, the third video on my morning mindset workout is Sadhguru, and it's mm-hmm. very meditative. So it's interesting. Maybe I am sort of meditating. And after my workouts, I always do a specific calming song to come down after the workout. So it goes from like hard rock and or rap to like something calm. And a lot of times I put on that Sadhguru um, video. I wanted to ask you, so you said you have your best thoughts when you're meditating. Can you give the viewers and listeners an example of a thought that would never have maybe come to you if you didn't take that meditative time? It's a good question. A lot of them are about the podcast of like, I honestly think I had, and this is, if you're a podcaster out, out there, do this. I tell all my clients to do this. This has been very, very helpful for Alan and I. I think I was meditating and I was like, you know what we should do for the mid-roll? We should just have our clients send us video or audio testimonials and we'll just post those as the mid-roll. I can't think of any better promotion than somebody else doing it for us. I think that came to me in a meditation. Oftentimes, it's my intuition pinging me about people. Like, oh, you got to reach out to this person. I don't know why, you just got to do it. And I'll literally either pause the meditation and do it or try to consciously remember it, but I often forget stuff if I don't do it immediately. So for me, it's my intuition pinging me about things that need to happen and I don't know why yet. It's fire. It's absolute fire. All right, the second thing that I have on here, <clears throat> again, simple, but not everyone does it. They certainly don't do it consistently. Common sense is not common practice. It's a Bernard Burchard line, by the way. I don't know. If that, How that's dare when you? I first heard that. Well, How dare you throw me under the bus? I'm just saying. I've heard you. Saying. I've heard you steal people's stuff before, and I've never called you out. <laughs> no, I always say this Jim Rohn said this. No, no, it's all good. Um, you know what made me think of it is you were just talking about the story with Dr. Fit and Brendan Burchard. So I was like, that actually is where we first learned that. Definitely, 100%. So common sense is not common practice. Again, shout out to Brendan. That's what this is. How to take excellent care of yourself. Yeah, it was Kevin who said that first. Um, the second thing I wrote down here, exercise daily no matter what or how little. And by no matter what, I don't mean no matter what exercise daily. I mean like no matter what it is. It can be cardio, it can be kickboxing, it can be a walk, it can be weight training, whatever it is, just make sure you exercise daily, no matter what it is or how little. Uh, so for me, I'll just I'll just use you know Emilia and I as an example. So Emilia and I, after this, we will go to the gym, and usually if if 
usually we'll do a little strategy session in the car right outside the gym of like, okay, in an ideal day, we would do 10 minutes of warm up on, on the uh, treadmill and or Stairmaster. Then we would do 35 minutes of weight training. And then later at home after our meal, we would do Ramwad before bed. Ramwad's long form stretching. It's an app. And so that's a total of 20 minutes typically for the Ramwad, 35 minutes for the weight training. So that's 55 minutes plus 10 minutes on the um, cardio. So you're looking at an hour and five minutes for that. But that's not including the commute. But our gym is like two minutes away. So a lot of times we condense that though. Because if we don't have the time, we usually reverse engineer when we want to be in bed. It's like, okay, well, let's just do five minutes on the treadmill. Let's do 25 minutes weights. And then let's let's skip Ramwad tonight or whatever it is. <laughs> now you know why Ramwad's the <laughs> first one to go. Mm-hmm. My point is this. And by the way, Ramwad's very meditative, by the way. I highly recommend it. Exercise daily, no matter what it is or how little you do. I don't care if it's 15 minutes. Um, I have 18 clients right now and they all do peak performance tracking. And there is a correlation between feeling good about oneself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually and exercise. There's so much science behind what it does for your brain, what it does for your body that you'll sleep better, you'll eat better, you'll feel better about yourself, you'll have higher self-esteem. The benefits are insanely high. And the fact that people don't do that, and I was guilty of that too. I remember there was a time in my life where I didn't exercise daily. I don't ever intend on going back on that. Now, that doesn't mean you won't miss a day every now and then. Emilia and I missed yesterday. Okay, we very rarely miss. But the goal, the intention, my focus, the promise I've made to myself is that I'm going to try my best to exercise at least once per day. Wonderful. We, I, I, Thanks, miss working out. I miss working out with you, so maybe yeah. we could get that, you know. You too, brother. You too. Lies. No, number, it's true. Number three has to do, <laughs> kind of, sort of has to do, it can have to do with exercise. So I use this as an example in the in the last one or the one before, but I do want to tie this in with that. I had a wild week a couple of weeks ago and Taryn and I were on the couch and she was like, hey, I'm going to go lay in bed and watch a movie. Do you want to come? And I was like, honestly, I'm going to go rap. And I know I talked about this, but the reason I want to bring up that point specifically is because although it might feel like something is more work or it might feel like something is going to drain your cup, if it's something that is something that you love, super passion, like it's something you have this deep passion for, it actually fills your cup. I'm out here jeffing. So it's a pain in the butt to sit here and write a song. I got to find a beat. I got to come up with a rhyme scheme. It's, It's honestly very, very difficult. But after I do it, I'm always grateful I did kickboxing, Alan referred to that, same exact thing. It's very, very difficult. It is very physically demanding. Even at the end of a hard week when I do it, I always feel better. Now, I know Alan prescribes this to clients. I have too in the past. One of my clients loves baths. I said, take a bath every single night. That's easy to do. But just because something feels like it's difficult does not mean it's not helping you. You know, cardio sucks, but it makes me feel really good when I do it. So don't, I don't want you to equate difficult with not filling your cup because a lot of the things that fill our cup is difficult. As long as you are grateful you did it afterwards, I think that's a a true measure. Hey, Kevin, Kim here. Just wanted to send you a video to say thank you so much for your help on creating the Peaceful Productivity Podcast. 
you know, I couldn't have done it without you. I knew you'd be lots of great help with the technical aspects of getting the podcast going, but you went well above and beyond that. You helped me with the strategy and you gave me all kinds of really great support. You know, I think the key to success in business is a great attitude and you have that in spades. You really walk the walk. So thanks again. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, again, this is about how to take excellent care about your, of yourself. You have to understand that a lot of the best things, excuse me, I had to burp. A lot of the best things that are good for you actually feel like a pain in the ass, for lack of better phrasing, prior to doing them. So for example, um, walking on the treadmill for 10 minutes before every workout does kind of feel like a pain in the butt, but I'm always glad I did it. I, I never get off the treadmill like, oh, I really wish I didn't do that. But yet I have done things in the past like watch too much TV or, you know, procrastinate. And I, even though it might've been fun, I, I definitely have had that feeling of, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't wasted that time. And so just remember when it comes to how to take excellent care of yourself, it's very important to realize that a lot of times it's the way you know that it's good for you is usually you don't really want to do it at first, but you're always glad that you did do it, you know, and that's just a a little cheat code for, for life. The third thing that I wrote down was be well kept based on your own standards. So, um, what's a good example of this? I am very, very uh, adamant about being well-kept. So I like to always have a nice haircut. Um, Not always, but most of the time. Um, My nails are always cut. My teeth are always well-brushed. Not always, but for the most part. I like to take very, very good care of myself. Anyone who knows me well would would attest to that. Um, Emilia and I live together. She knows that I like to be very, very well-kept. Now, there's something about taking really good care of yourself. I know some people who take better care of their car than their own body, than their own teeth, than their own hair, than their own eye Q-tips in my ears. Like everything is so methodical. Now you don't have to be as dogmatic as I am about it, but I take 10 times better care of this than I do my car because this is far more valuable to me. And so you're going to have higher self-esteem when you're well-kept. Now, that doesn't mean you don't let it ride. I remember one time after a really hard day, Kevin and I had an early meeting and I showed up in just my robe. And I was just like, and Kevin was laughing so hard because I'm usually not in that form, especially when I'm doing the service part of my day. But my point is, is be well-kept based on your own standards, not based on what other people want for you. Don't wear makeup because other people want you to or because you're afraid that you'll be judged if you don't. Wear makeup if you want to because you want to. Because taking good care of yourself, it's this is the analogy. If you had a $5 million home on the ocean, you would take excellent care of it. We take care of the things we value. I take very good care of these. And when they fall out of my pocket and they they go all over the floor. I'm very like concerned because these are very, very valuable to me because this is how I listen to my books. This is how I listen to NLU. This is, this is how I do my morning mindset workout. Like I, they're noise canceling. Best product ever, by the way. Um, but my point is, is that what we value, we take good care of. Emilia for my birthday just got me a book from 1909 and it's meditations by Marcus Aurelius, Plato and Epictetus. And she got me the new 
Marcus Aurelius book and one from 1909 because she wanted me to see the difference in the translations. And this book is like 111 years old, right? 112 years old. Am I doing the math right on that? Yeah, like 112 years old. And I'm so careful with it. I only read it when I'm, like I don't read it before bed or I haven't because I'm afraid I will fall asleep and ruin the pages. So the point is, is that if you don't value yourself enough to be well kept, that means that you're probably going to need to work on the self-worth. And remember, it's a cycle. James Clear says this in the book we're reading in book club. It's Atomic Habits. He says, every action you take is a vote for the type of person that you want to become. So if you want to be someone who feels valuable when you take care of yourself, when you take excellent care of yourself, that's what you're voting for. You're voting for someone of value. If you had a $5 million home, you would take excellent care of it. If you had a $50,000 home, you probably wouldn't care if something bad happened to it. How are you treating yourself? So talking or speaking on the type of person that you want to become, I know early for me in this journey, I wanted to be the guy who got up early every single day, 4 a.m. club. And I'd be in the car at 4.45 for the gym and I'd be doing my wake up, happy Saturday, happy Friday, happy Monday, get after it today. And I realized very quickly that that wasn't necessarily sustainable. Alan and I, I have slept at Alan's old house several times because we stayed up late recording podcast episodes and it's like look this is not sustainable for me to drive home and get up at 4 a.m i transitioned from 4 a.m club to eight hours of sleep club so now i don't go to the gym on sundays intentionally because i usually stay up late watching ufc when i go to bed and i understand this isn't easy for everybody right i understand that you know if you have children you have a family you have weird hours it can be difficult but i would challenge you to stop focusing on the time you wake up and start focusing on the amount of sleep that you're getting. Last night, our cats were going wild. I had my alarm set for 4.15, and I said, honestly, I need more sleep. I set my alarm for 4.45, and I did that instead. So I'm focused way more on seven and a half to eight hours of quality sleep than I am on getting up at a certain time. Yes, getting up early is awesome, but I have also tried to discipline myself to get to bed a lot earlier, and I know that's difficult, but you will be grateful you did especially if you're staying up doing something that's not filling your cup. I think that's that's such an important piece of this is you can stay up every single night. Say you work a job that you don't enjoy, right? So say you work nine to five and you get home at 5.30 and you go to the gym and you don't get home until seven and you're like, oh, I only have two hours if I want to get eight hours of sleep. I guarantee that if you fill those two hours with something that fills your cup, you're going to be taking way better care of yourself if you do that and then get eight hours of sleep. And Alan and I have referenced this in the past. At my Back in the day, my old job, I'd literally get four hours, five hours, you know, six hours on a good night, and I was burning to the ground that I didn't know it. Eight hours of sleep is an excellent way to take care of yourself, for sure. For sure. There's two things I want to say. The first one is actually a question for you. Please. Um, so you read a book, Sleep Smarter, and we tried to have that person on the show. And they, Sean, Stevenson. I, uh, Sean Stevenson. We still got to do that. Um, what was one thing that you learned in that book that you didn't know before? That's a great question. Uh, honestly, the amount of blue light that cell phones and TVs emit. So I don't have them in here, but I actually have a pair of um, blue light resistant glasses that I wear at night. And that okay. has helped me sleep. Tr- yes, yes. Because 
blue light evidently is the worst light for your eyes in terms of sleep. I think it's similar to the UV rays of the sun. So your brain still thinks it's daytime. So you don't, it doesn't, you don't go through your actual sleep cycle like you're supposed to. Circadian mm. rhythm, I believe. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's, that's something I learned a ton about. Also, make sure your room is extremely dark, like pitch black. Make sure it's cool. I think 68 to 72 is the ideal. I think 68. So those are, that's a great book. If you struggle with sleeping, there's a lot of hacks. Caffeine stays in your system way longer than I thought. Like if you're working out at night and you're taking pre-workout, that's probably one of the reasons you can't sleep. Get, that's a great book, Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson. Sleeping, quality uninterrupted sleep is an absolute cheat code for productivity, for life, for wellness. Um, I've never really had trouble sleeping and I don't know why. I have a client also who like, a lot of my clients have like bed by X time. So like on their PPT, their last line item, because it's in the order of your day. This one, it's bed by 10.30 a.m., uh, 10.30 p.m. rather, and all ones. So just killing it. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, we're good. Um, I remember asking him like, uh, before when it, we did 1030, I'm like, do you feel confident in that? He's like, dude, yes. Cause I'm like, what time do you usually hit the bed? He's like, usually around like 10, 20 or so. I said, how long does it take you to fall asleep? He's like, oh, immediately, like immediately. So if you're like that, don't worry so much about this. But I know a lot of people, so Emilia, she she used to struggle with getting quality, consistent sleep. She uses earplugs. Um, we have specific um, pillows. We also um, have been doing 72. We've been experimenting. Like this morning, I literally asked her, like, were you overly hot or overly cold last night? We're always doing these little tweaks. Um, also, our cell phones are charging outside of the bedroom. They're, we don't have our cell phones in the bedroom. Um, we have a sleep playlist that is a effing game changer, Kev. Um, Alexa does it. I'll have to think of what it is. If anyone wants to know what the playlist is, it's literally, it's, it'll put you in a sleep trance. You'll, you'll take a coma, um, for lack of better phrasing, but you wake up so well rested. It's like unbelievable. And I, I don't even know. Um, it's been a long time since I've slept without that. So I don't even know what to compare it to, but yeah, sleeping is a game changer. I had one client one time who was getting three hours of sleep a night and I basically, told her, I said, we were going through the pyramid of fulfillment. And I was like, until you solve that, it's always going to feel like the sky is falling. So, uh, I know that you had some challenges in the past with your old job and, and, you know, suicidal ideation and stuff like that. It's like, Kev, I bet you the sleep was a major component of that. Um, I told like, I used to be up for 24 to, to 32 hours, fairly like weekly, weekly. I was up for days on end. That was just like normal. And then I used to work third shift and I would do the same. I, st- I think I set up for like 36 hours one time and I was like delusional. God damn, man. <laughs> what, what changed your mind about this? You, Jeff, Jeff too. Oh, Jeff too. Okay. And, and I'll, and I'll, I'll give you this. There was a little bit of guilt in the beginning of I, if I don't get up at 4am, things aren't going to get done. And for me, I love getting up early. So this is easy for me. I love going to bed early so I can get up early. I do, but you got to like, trust the fact that you're going to get everything you want to get done and understand that you're going to be way more productive. And this is what really did it for me. What I was doing before wasn't sustainable. So right. if you want to build anything, you have to build a sustainable foundation first. And that was, that was really what I was going for. It's awesome. Okay. The second thing I wanted to say, <laughs> so you traded the 4am club for the eight hours of sleep club. Mm-hmm. 
when are, when are you planning on attending book club? <laughs> I still haven't got the invite. I don't know if you guys have the correct and current address, but I can give it to you privately if you'd like. And when I receive the invitation, I will attend. Kev, did you see like my me smiling when you were first talking? Yeah. It was like I, I had trouble not bursting out laughing at how bad that joke was going to be. All right. Anyways, uh, I like to say ridiculous jokes. So book club's awesome Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's actually 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The problem is I'm still sleeping because I stay up so late on Fridays, so I'm still sleeping at that time. Okay, sounds good. Just kidding. Uh, Number four, we got a crank. We've got, oh, we got five minutes. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Number four is track your hydration. This is one that is such a pain in the butt. Um, I used to do fitness coaching. Everybody who's a long-term listener of the show knows that. And sleep, hydration, nutrition, training, and mobility was my thing. Hydration was really important. So take your body weight, whatever that is, multiply it by 0.6. I did this yesterday. Mine is 114 ounces. So you'll never catch Kevin and I without water on our person. Uh, my water bottle is actually right over there, but I always have this as well. Alan's got the the, uh, the, the cauldron from, from the all, from the Olive Garden, from your local Olive Garden. <laughs> the cauldron from your local Olive Garden. Um, but anyway, so there was this client I had early on. And she said, oh, don't worry about hydration. I hydrate a ton. And I was like, okay, well, you know, how many ounces a day do you get? She's like, oh, probably like 24. And I was like, wait, what? And this was a uh, an overweight client. And so 0.6 times her body weight was way more. It was more than 114 ounces, put it that way. And she was also including coffee in that. And I was like, oh, no wonder why you feel terrible. No, no, no. You you have to hydrate more than that. That's like, that's like, you know, very not good. The fact that you're walking around perpetually dehydrated. That's so bad. So this is the way I explain it. How to take excellent care of yourself. Hydrate. Track your hydration. I can't even tell you how many team members have, you know, 90 ounces of water per day on their on their thing or whatever their number is. This is the way I explain it. You have 50 trillion cells in your body, according to the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton. 50 trillion cells. You have brain cells and bone cells and, you know, heart cells and liver cells, blah, blah, blah. Every chemical reaction in just about every cell in the human body requires the molecule H2O. I think we're something like 64% water, something crazy. You need to replenish that. It's very, very important. When you're dehydrated, it's affecting your cognitive function. It's affecting your willpower. It's a, you're aging. Have you ever seen someone who ages poorly? It's probably because they're perpetually dehydrated. So track your hydration. It will change your life. If you have never tracked your hydration, I promise you, you're probably not getting as much water in as you think. Um, and it'll also help you burn fat and, and operate better in the gym as well. Uh, the fifth one I just want to give real quick, and, and that way you can send us off to the Q&A. Uh, The bonus was keep the promises you make to yourself. Um, There's nothing that's going to improve your self-worth and self-esteem and your well-being physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually than keeping the small promises you make to yourself on a day-to-day basis. I could could give an entire speech on just that one concept. That's all peak performance tracking helps people do. Health, wealth, and love. These are the small, tiny, daily disciplines that are going to help me flourish and improve at the best, at my best, be at my best next level you, the next level version of you, keep the promises you make to yourself. If you say you're going to meditate for five minutes, do it. 
you'll you'll have a self-esteem boost instead of a self-esteem hit. And that will leak into your physical health, that'll leak into your mental health, your emotional health, and your spiritual health. So go ahead, Kev. I just wanted to hammer that. I, I, that's a great one. If you're watching this, you may have seen Alan and I on one of Dave Meltzer's platforms Thursday, Friday last week. I don't remember. I think it was Friday? Yeah. Friday. So we got an email on Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday that said, hey, we want to have you on for your live coaching with Dave. It's going to be on Clubhouse. It's going to be on Instagram. It's going to be on LinkedIn. It's going to be on all of these things. And it's going to be, it's always repurposed as a podcast episode. So I was terrified. For some reason, we've done this 20 something times with Dave. But I think the fact that I was setting up my cell phone for Clubhouse and I'm setting up the camera and the microphone and there's all this feedback and I know we're, we have the potential of being in front of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people because Dave, his following is really growing. The point I'm making the last point, my bonus point, venture outside of your comfort zone. When we were getting brought into the room, Dave has a cooler intro video than we do because he's done cooler things than we have. And it's playing. And then there's an advertisement for his TV show. And it's like, oh yeah, we're next. We're going to be next on here. Cool. And I had that moment of the boom, boom test of I'm getting anxious and I was definitely scared Getting outside of your comfort zone, venturing outside of your comfort zone, feeling alive. I had that moment of this is what it's all about. I've done this so many times, right? We've, we've done 800 episodes and 90, 87 of these. And before every one of those early on, I was terrified before all my coaching calls, my speeches, podcast interviews on other shows. I believe there's a correlation between how consistently you're getting outside of your comfort zone and how alive you feel. I genuinely feel that. I know that for most of my life, I played it safe and I feel way better now. And I feel like I'm taking way better care of myself now because I'm consistently out of my comfort zone. So that is my challenge to each and every one of you. Get outside of your comfort zone. That's that's living anyway. If you're not doing that, you're not living to the maximum, maximum potential. Amy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for joining us for another episode of Next Level University. One podcast episode can change your life forever. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you care about deeply. And we will talk to you on the next one.